Welcome everyone. We are passionate at Church Alive, helping people fulfill God's potential for their lives. And that means developing, building, coaching, inspiring leaders. And so I hope you'll have a leaning factor that today you can grow. Today you can take on a new mentality, a new mindset. And as you allow God to prune you, lift you, other people to inspire you, learn from you, you can become all that God has destined you to become. If you're taking notes today, I want to welcome everybody, by the way, that's watching online. You're a part of this service today. And uh, if you're taking notes here in person or online at home, you can write this down. The space between. The space between. Maybe you've never taken notes before. I don't encourage you to do so. Because uh, if you're like me, it just helps me remember um, some things about that God maybe is going to speak to you today. Amen? Amen. We're going to read some Bible and because uh, we need to do that. Uh, but I really, I really feel like this word is for us, it's for this church. I told the 9 a.m. service, I was planning on speaking a different message. And I don't just say that because it's like a cool pastor thing to say. Uh, but I spoke this message for the first time last week. And uh, normally, like, you want to preach a message that you preach a lot of times. You want to preach a great message. And uh, as soon as I, I vividly remember, as soon as I finished preaching back home at Wave Church, Holy Spirit told me you're going to preach this next week. And uh, so I feel like this word is, I believe this word is, is for you. Amen? amen? And if not, we're going to say amen anyway. Can I get an amen? 1 Samuel 30, we're going to jump in to David. We're going to talk about King David today. I want to give a little bit of context before I read this verse. So these verses I'm about to read, uh, it's an interesting time for King David. These verses we're about to read is he has just faced... Maybe the most painful disappointment in his life. We're going to talk about that disappointment a little bit later. But David is in a place called Ziglag. Somebody say Ziglag. He's, he's chosen to settle there because he has started to give up on maybe the dream that God has for his life. The whole reason he's even there is he's, he's began to settle. And David has just faced maybe, I think, the greatest, maybe the most painful disappointment uh, of his life. And, and, and David... David says this, David is, is, is tired, he's exhausted, this great King David that maybe you've heard of, in this context, he's actually backslidden from God. And then, and then we're going to read, we're going to pick up 1 Samuel 30 and verse 6, it says this, but David found strength in the Lord his God. Another translation says he encouraged himself in the Lord. I think that's interesting. Then David said to the priest, bring me the ephod. He inquires of the Lord, shall I pursue this raiding party that took everything from me? Will I overtake them? And God says, pursue them. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. God tells David, you will get back everything that was taken from you and more. Psalm 40, verse 1 through 3, this is David the psalmist writing. He says, I waited patiently. I don't like that word. Anybody else not like that word? Seven people, anybody else not like that word? I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. Anybody thankful that when you turn to God and you cry out that he doesn't just hear you, but he's attentively listening? Yeah. Anybody thankful for a God who is alive and is moving? Yeah. That when you cry out to him, he, he responds, he answers, he's, he's always there. The Bible says he lifted me out of the slimy pit. I can relate to that. Anybody thankful that when God found you in your slimy pit, that he didn't just leave you there and point the finger, but he picked you up again? Out of the mud and the mire, he set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. 
He put a new song in my mouth. A hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and hear and put their trust in the Lord. Why don't we pray today in person here and everybody watching online at home. Why don't we pray? Jesus, I thank you. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that your presence is here. Without your presence, today would almost be a waste of time. But God, I thank you for your church, the church that is the hope of the world. I thank you for Church Alive. It's churches like this that get me excited about what you're doing in our nation and around the world. I pray. God, I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you you designed and orchestrated for each and every single human heart to be even sitting in the seat that they're sitting in today, to be watching online wherever we are watching today. Holy Spirit, I think that your presence is not limited to a church building, not limited to a camera, but you are in every living room of every person that is watching at home. Holy Spirit, I pray that our hearts would be open to your conviction, that our minds would be open to change and transformation, open to be renewed by your word. Holy Spirit, I need your grace, your power, your authority. Help me preach this message today. I need you. Without you, I am nothing. And God, we come together as your church right now. We just pray and believe the football season is going to happen. Everybody said. Yeah. Everybody said. Yeah. Uh, I've realized something about my life uh, that the last two weeks in particular have just reminded me about this. Personally, uh, an issue that I have is, is I really don't like to wait. Like I just, I don't like to wait. But, but specifically, it's like this dark side of me comes out when I have to wait in traffic. And I try to justify it as righteous anger, but I know it's not. I know it's sinful. I know it is. But it's, it's I think the closest I've ever come to backsliding, I, you guys have the, the Holland, it was it called the Holland Tunnel, where there's just traffic. Because it's there, because there's a tunnel. For whatever reason, tunnels just create traffic. Well, we have a, we have a tunnel called the Hampton Roads Bridge Tunnel. And, and there's traffic in this tunnel, not because there's too much traffic, simply because people don't know how to drive through a tunnel. <laughs> Without fail. There's never an accident. There's never anything wrong. People just hit the brakes. The closest I've come to backsliding has been in that tunnel. In fact, if I ever do backslide and nobody can find me, just let them know. Go, go to the tunnel. He'll, he'll, be, he'll be there. I don't. I don't like waiting. I've never, in fact, I've never met anybody that enjoys waiting. I've never met anybody that enjoys, I mean, when we go to the grocery store, what do we do? We look for the shortest line. I'm not looking for the longest line to wait in. If you go to, we live in a world that caters to this. If you go to Disney now, if you go to Disney, they have Disney app, and, and, and on the app, it shows you, because Disney understands that we loathe waiting so much that we will avoid it if we can. And they give you, this is awesome, the live waiting times of all the different rides. So you can pick and choose what rides you, you want to be on. I never saw anybody, including myself, looking for the longest wait time. Like 15 minutes? No, it's too quick. I don't want to wait longer. 30 minutes? No. 45 minutes? No, no, we need longer. I want to I read a novel while I'm waiting to ride this. Three hours. Let's go wait! What ride is it? The spinning teacups. Perfect! I hate that ride. <laughs> I don't enjoy waiting. I, I, we don't enjoy waiting. But, but I want to, while, while we don't like waiting, I want to suggest to you and I today in the kingdom of heaven, in the kingdom of God, in this Jesus lifestyle, sometimes waiting is necessary. Yeah. In fact, sometimes God uses waiting as a tool. 
And of all the the great things that we can look at the life of King David and and glean from and learn from, I think one of the great things I want to propose to you, one of the greatest things we could take from the life of King David is how he waited. Specifically in the context of when he was announced king, the space between to when he was crowned king. Because we know David was anointed as king as a teenager, but it didn't happen later until he was 30. How David handled this space between the announcement of being king to the fulfillment of being crowned king. Have you ever been there in the space between? You ever been in the space between when you were announced to be who God was called you to be, but you're in that space between to yet see the fulfillment of maybe that thing that God has called you to do or be or that place to go? Have you ever been there? In that place between of maybe that thing that you've been believing for, the dream that you thought God had for your life, and maybe between praying for that healing and the fulfillment of that healing taking place, maybe lately it feels like you're even further away from that destination or that dream or that anointing than when you even started. And if we're not, we're not careful, church, the longer that it takes, the longer that we are stuck in the in-between, the longer that we have to wait, the more appealing settling begins to look like. Have you ever settled? You ever settled because something took too long? I have. Two weeks ago, I did. We're going to go eat lunch. And uh, I had, before this lunch, the week before, experienced, and I mean this, the greatest chicken wings of my life. <laughs> greatest wings. If you ever go to Virginia Beach, there's a restaurant called Big Sam's, and they do these wings. They, 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 they call them the Big Sam's Double Grilled Wing. I don't know if they grill them twice. I don't care. But they call them the... <laughs> And if you ever go, just order the double grill wings and get you some sauce on the side and, and a side of ranch because we enjoy life. We don't endure it. Can I get an amen? Yeah. It's the greatest wings I've ever had. And the next week, it was my, one of my best friend's birthdays. He's, he's, Pastor Luke, he's on our staff. He said, where should we go to lunch? I said, have you ever been to Big Sam's? Have you had their wings? He said, no. I said, we're going. So I don't care how long the wait is, Luke. It's worth it. It's worth it. I know there's COVID, there's restrictions, and so maybe there will be a wait because there's not as many people allowed in, but who cares? So we took like five or six of us. We showed up to Big Sam's. He said, hey, how long's the wait? About 45 to 50 minutes, sir. Huh. And we settled for sushi instead of Big Sam's. Isn't it interesting? The longer the wait, the more appealing settling begins to look like. And in the space between, in the space between, in the waiting is where the enemy is at work. Catch this, church, because for every good thing God has for you, for every promise that's in the word of God, for every principle Jesus gives us to live life to the full, the devil always has a cheaper option. Always available for anybody who is willing to settle. Can I get an Amen. Now, before we venture deeper into this, I think it's important that we understand who King David really is, like the, the, full, the full picture of King David. I love the life of King David because it's real, it's relatable, it's even controversial. And I think it's important that we understand the whole grasp of who David is because depending, depending on what chapter you've read about David could determine a very different perspective than somebody else. And if we don't understand the full life of, of King David, we can miss out. We can be shortchanged of the power of the life of King David. Because you could read one chapter about King David, about when 
he was at a point in his life where he'd been running from King Saul, who had lost the anointing to be king, but he was still in the place of the king, the place that David should have been. And instead of being king, David is running from the king that shouldn't be king anymore. Saul is trying to kill David. And David is in the wilderness. He refuses to settle in, 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 in this point of his life and ki kill King Saul. He could have killed him, but he doesn't. And he's in the wilderness by himself. And somehow this great leader, David, is able to build an army of 600 men. In the middle of nowhere, he builds this army of 600 men. We know, the Bible tells us, they were the most elite military unit of their time. This, this army of 600 men that somehow evaded the, the, the army of King Saul of thousands. They outfought the army of King Saul of thousands. They put fear, these 600 men put fear into the army of King Saul's thousands. How did David build this army of 600 men to be such amazing warriors and, and fight in, in such unity and effectiveness? And one of the things I love about King David, I, I believe one of the reasons this is the case, is because David's army represented every tribe. David's army of 600 men crossed every tribal line, and instead of fighting against each other, they fought together in fierce unity. And I think David gives us a picture, a beautiful picture of what the church could and should be, where we see every tribe and every tongue declaring the name of Jesus all as one, not fighting against each other, but fighting for each other in fierce unity. You can read that chapter about King David and think to yourself, man, David's amazing. What a great leader. But you can read another chapter about King David. And that same David that led with such courage, I mean, he led an army and a nation with such courage, but when it came to his family, it's like he had no courage to lead his family. It's like David, it's like David avoided leading his family. So much so that you read in God's word that one of his sons, he allowed one of his sons to start a civil war in his own nation against him. You can read that chapter about King David and think, I don't know if King David is, is all that great. You say, Josh, how is this relatable to, to our lives? Well, I know for me personally, if my life were a book, you could read one chapter and think, oh, I could see how God is using Josh. But I know there's many other chapters that if you read about my life, you would think to yourself, how is God using him? I guess what I'm trying to get at church is, is in the day and age in which we live, the cancel culture in which we live, David would have been canceled. David's life and leadership messes with some of our cookie-cutter, limited, legalistic theology because God didn't cancel David. And as far away from God some of David's mistakes seemed, he never let go of God. He always came back to repent. Now, it's important we understand this side of it because it didn't mean he and those around him didn't deal with the consequences of his sin. That's unavoidable. But he was humble enough to fall before God every time and repent. David is an Old Testament figure who it seems has a better understanding of the New Testament gospel than some of us today. It's so easy to look at the life of King David and look back and judge and write King David off. And think to ourselves, how, why would God choose to use a man like David? How could the word of God say that he's a man after God's own heart? I mean, Josh, think about David's most famous mistake. Maybe you've heard this mistake that David's made before where David is, is ruling over Israel as the king. And instead of being at war where he should have been, the Bible says it was a time when kings are at war, should be at war. He chose to stay home 
He's relaxing at his palace. And one of his great friends, one of his great warriors, you can speculate was even a best friend of David. His name was Uriah, who was, ba- who was fighting the battle David should have been at. David sees his wife Bathsheba, and he sleeps with her, commits adultery. Then gets Bathsheba pregnant. One of his great friends. Realizes Bathsheba's pregnant, so he brings Uriah home because he's thinking, if I bring Uriah home, he'll sleep with his, his wife. And then maybe they could think that the baby was theirs. But Uriah is such a man of integrity and character. He refuses to sleep with his wife while his fellow soldiers are at war where he should be. So David sends his great friend back to war to be murdered. You could hear that about David and think, how, how could God use him? For the word of God to say that he has a man after God's own heart will church before we judge too much. Remember this same David, as they were recording his life, David refused to allow anything to be left out of his story. He made sure they recorded his greatest victories, and they made sure they included his greatest mistakes. I I can see King David on his, his deathbed as the scribes were in his room, and they're finishing up writing his life story for the world to read, for you and I to read. And David asked the scribes, we know this because they record his greatest warriors. Hey guys, before we finish, I want to make sure that we write down all my greatest warriors, the most effective, the most elite, my my most faithful friends. And so the scribes, they write, I can see them writing down the 26 names. There was a 27th, but they left it out. And David asked for the piece of paper. He looks at it, he says, guys, we're missing, we're missing one. Maybe the most important, Uriah. I can see the scribes thinking to themselves, David, are you sure that you want to include Uriah? Are you sure you want to put him in there? I mean, yes, he was your friend, but don't remember you slept with his wife, got her pregnant, and then had him killed? David says, oh, friends, that, that mistake needs to be in there. I want to honor, I'm still going to honor my great friend. I mean, church, can you imagine, can you imagine being on your deathbed, which is weird to think about, but a Netflix producer Walks into the room and says, hey, we're going to make a movie about your life. We're going to show the world the great exploits of your life. And we can include or exclude anything that you would like. Church, I don't know if I'm including every mistake of my life. I don't know if I'm including, when I was in seventh grade, accused of cheating on a Bible project. Can I get an amen? (laughs) Church, I think this gives us a glimpse to how the Bible could say that David was a man after God's own heart. He made sure, catch this, he made sure his failures were highlighted, which he knew highlighted the grace of God. It gave God the glory. And his zeal, his passion of repentance kept him. Grace saved him. And God saw the heart of David as a young man, seeds of greatness that nobody else saw, and God continued to choose to see it. I guess... I guess King David was a great leader, yes, with catastrophic mistakes, but with a passion to repent. And God still chose to use him. And friend, you need to get this today. God still chooses you. If you're here in person watching home online, God still chooses you. Can I get an amen? amen? Now, while David was anointed king as a teenager... We know the path to that being fulfilled wasn't overnight. We know that space between was a long time. We also know that space between was filled with pain, disappointment, 
waiting, backsliding, and temptation to settle for less. And maybe the most pivotal moment in David's waiting season, of David's space between, is a place that we already talked about, this place, Ziglag. See, it's in Ziglag Church that we find David, like we talked about, essentially backslidden. He's been waiting so long to be king that we find a wayward David. It's in fact in Ziglag where in 1 Samuel 27, just a couple chapters before, the Bible tells us the reason why David even settled in Ziglag is is because he began to give up. The Bible says that he settled in his heart. He didn't verbally say it, but in his heart he began to admit to himself, you know what, maybe Saul is going to kill me. Maybe Ziglag is, you know, was anointed king. Maybe it was, maybe it's just king of Ziglag. Maybe this is what God had, had for me. You ever been there where you don't, you don't give up verbally yet, but in your heart you begin to settle? Like you're living, but you're not really living anymore? David is tired. This is what we're stepping into here. He's exhausted because he's been running without God. And to make it even worse, church, is David is about to step into the greatest disappointment of his life. Verse 3. This is just before those verses we read at the beginning of our conversation. David is coming back from battle to find this. When David and his men reached Ziglag, this is their current home, they found it destroyed by fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. Can you imagine this? Like just try to imagine this for a moment where you've been at battle and you come home to find your house on fire, your neighborhood with all your friends and family destroyed, and they took your family. They took your spouse. They took your children. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. You ever been there? Where you wept so much about the pain and the hurt or the disappointment that you don't even have the strength to weep about that pain anymore? That's where David is. That's where his men are. The Bible tells us David's own family was taken. And in verse 6 it says, David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him, his own army. Each one was bitter in spirit because of their sons and their daughters. David returns to find devastation in Ziglag. And David has officially lost everything. The only thing that David had left was his army, his loyal army. And now they've turned on him. They want to kill David. And it is what David does next, church, that I believe is for somebody today. If you find yourself today and you are wayward, you are tired, you are exhausted, you begin to settle. Maybe you begin to give up on that dream. Maybe not verbally, maybe in your heart, maybe you're at the place of David where you are just done. It's what David does next that I believe is for for you and I today. David does two things. The second thing we're not going to talk about. It's important, it's powerful, but it's not what I feel the Holy Spirit for us to focus on. And I want to preach in under an hour. Can I get an amen? It's what David does first. What What does David do first? The Bible says, we already read it, he encouraged himself In the Lord. David strengthens himself in the Lord. A broken, wayward, exhausted, backslidden David reminds himself of where his strength comes from. I can see David in the presence of God, finding his strength again, having this conversation with God. God, God, I I know it's been a while. God, this is a little awkward for me. Because I haven't been to church in a couple of months. I don't know if it's awkward for you, but God, I'm here. 
And I thank you for your goodness that you would still meet me here in my despair. You would still meet me here in me rejecting you. And David begins to encourage himself in the Lord again. God, thank you for your goodness. God, I know that Ziglag is, is my fault. But God, I choose not to settle here. I, I thank you that it's not my destination. God, I thank you that you can still use it for good. You didn't anoint me to be king of a town. You anointed me to be king of the nation of Israel. David begins to encourage and remind himself of what God said about him, of the greatness that God saw in him as a young man. David begins to encourage and remind himself of the love of God, of the mercy that God always has for a wayward son. David begins to remind himself that God still chooses him. It's as if David is awakened again to the call of God that is on his life. David wakes up again to the greatness that God has for him. And church, I think if I have one assignment from heaven today, it's to remind somebody that not only does God still see you, but he still chooses to see the greatness that he spoke in and over your life. Maybe you're here today and you feel broken. You feel like your life is failure after failure. You think to yourself, how did I end up here? Friend, God still sees greatness in you. Be awakened again to the call of God on your life. To the greatness that God has in and over you. Remind yourself what God has said about you. Maybe you're here today and on the outside your life looks awesome. It looks like success. In fact, everybody around you thinks that on the inside you think you're great. But you know, deep down you feel empty. And you feel broken. In fact, you feel insignificant. Friend, God sees you. Friend, he sees greatness in you. It's as if, it's as if David left Ziglag with a new song. It's as if he left with a new song. It's as if after David encouraging himself in the Lord, being the presence of God, it's as if God gave him a new song. We know David goes to battle, but before he went to battle, he went with a new song. I'm going to read it again, Psalm 41 through 3. David, the psalmist, writes, I waited patiently for the Lord. If David was going to wait for anything now, it was going to be in the presence of God. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of my slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth. A hymn of praise to our God. Many will see in fear and put their trust in the Lord. I believe this is for somebody today that God has a new song for you. God has a new song for you. One of the things that I've learned about being a dad is that I don't get to listen to my music anymore. Any parents kind of get an amen? I don't get to listen to my music anymore. Liv, she's almost three. Every time we get in the car, she asks for the same song. Ever since we watched Frozen, it is the one and only. She calls it the ice song. It has nothing to do with ice. At first it was cute, but now after listening to it for 4,000 times, the lack of context drives me nuts. Every time we get in the car, Dad, the ice song. Sweetie, there's a lot of other songs on the Frozen album. Could we maybe listen to No, Dad, the ice song. If you ever come to Regina Beach and you see me in my car with tears in my eyes, I'm not having a moment with God in worship. I'm, I'm hurting, friend. Parents, you ever been so frustrated with your children, you can't even say their name? Just like, child, small bee. 
live any other song. I am tired of listening to the same song. Taylor Swift has a new album. There's a song with Body Bear. Please. I'm tired of the song in church. I don't know who this is for today, but I want to suggest to you that maybe God is tired of your song choice. And that same God has a new song for you. He's got a new song for you. And maybe, maybe you've been in the space between for so long that you've even stopped singing. Can I remind you, friend, to just wait on the Lord again? Begin to encourage yourself in the Lord again. And don't leave that place until he puts a new song in your heart and in your mouth. Can I get an amen? Amen. What does David teach us? To do the one thing that we can always do. Praise our king. Come on, somebody. It is time to praise your savior with a new song. Leave behind the song of doubt, of fear, of negativity, of complaining. It is time for a new song. Some of us have been praising God the same way for years. Remind yourself what God has done for you, that you woke up today. Some of us have been singing songs from the first Frozen movie for years, and God's trying to let you know there's a Frozen 2. Come on, church, can we take a moment and even here, right here and right now, can we praise him with a new song on our lips? Praise him like he's the God that he is. Praise him like he forgave you like he did. Praise him like he picked you up out of your slimy pit again and again and again and again. Come on, church, praise him in the waiting for sustaining you. Praise him for when you rejected him. He was always, always, always there. time for a new song this new season requires a new song and when that old song begins to creep back in you just press the skip button so now I got a new song church there are moments of zigzag there are even seasons of zigzag but what I'm trying to get in your spirit today is do not settle there don't settle remind yourself what God spoke over your life Remind yourself how great your God is, what he's called you to do. Get your eyes off of the waiting. Get your eyes off of the disappointment. Get your eyes back on your Savior again. Understand he's not necessarily trying to do something around you. He's trying to do something in you. He's just getting you ready for your crown. I love that the Bible says don't grow weary. Don't grow, grow tired in doing good. For at the right time, he will bring the harvest. I found something out about the timing of God. Is that it is often inconvenient. God's timing is often painful. God's timing is character growing and capacity stretching. God's timing can can feel like it takes too long. But God's timing is always worth it. And it is always perfect. What I love about what David teaches us and maybe the most important thing for us today is that, friend, you don't have to rush in your own strength anymore. But you can wait in His. I meet so many Christians in, 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 in church. This is something that the Holy Spirit has been dealing with, with me on. And our souls are so rushed and they're so anxious and they're so unsettled. That's not the life that God has called you to live. That you can wait on His strength. Even in the midst of turmoil, your soul can have peace. Friends, stop rushing in your strength. 
Oh, how many times I've been there. Stop rushing in your own strength and do what David does. Fall before your Savior again and say, God, I'll wait on you. David goes back to battle to take back what was taken from him. But before he went, he waited in the presence of God and he made sure his strength was from his Savior, from his Savior, not from him. Can I get an amen? Amen. Before we finish, and if you could stay standing with me, I want to ask the most important question that we could ask today. And I really believe this for this church, and I believe it for the church and our nation and around the world, that we're going to see more people give their lives to Jesus than ever before. And right here, right now in this moment, friend, I want to ask you, and if you're watching online, I want to ask you this question. Do you know, do you know Jesus? Do you know what David shows us? Do you know the power of repentance, the freedom that is found in surrendering your life to Jesus? I'm not asking you, do you go to church? I'm not even asking, do you believe in God? The devil believes in God. Have you surrendered your life to your Savior? Do you know what it is to be forgiven of your sins? Have you been awakened to that greatness that he put inside of you? With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're a Christian in this place, I'm going to ask you to pray. Come on, church, let's pray. If you're watching online and you're a Christian, I'm going to ask you to pray right now. And in a moment, I'm going to count to three. And when I do, I'm going to ask anybody here today, say, Josh, that's me. I need to surrender my life to Jesus. I want to know that my eternity is in heaven. I want to live for him. When I count to three, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand high enough and long enough for me to see it. In person here and online, you can make that decision as well. You say, Josh, that's me. One, friend, we are all in need of a Savior. Nobody's too good. Nobody is too bad. Nobody's too old. Nobody is too young. Please do not leave this service today without knowing, without knowing your eternity, without, without walking out of here with a relationship with your Savior. Two, if you're in this place today and maybe you once knew him, but you've You've settled in zigzag. You've walked away from your Savior. You, you're backslidden. Maybe nobody even knows yet, but in your heart, you begin to settle and give up. Friend, can I encourage you to come home again? Like David reminds us, God is the, is the God of as many chances as you and I need. He's not angry. He's not mad, thinking it's about time you're back here. No, his arms are wide open saying, welcome home again. Three, if that's you in this place, lift your hand high enough and long enough. There's a hand right there, another two right there. Anybody else? Another hand right there. Another hand right there. I see you, sir. Anybody else? Once I've seen it, you can put it down. It's amazing. Say, Josh, that's me. I'm not leaving this place trying to do this on my own anymore. On my own strength. Anybody else? Say, Josh, that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus. I'm just going to wait a moment longer just for anybody else. Because, friend, you are, you are way too important. Eternity is way too important. For everybody watching online, friend, make that decision. Anybody else? I felt this in the 9 a.m. I feel it again from the Holy Spirit in this service. That maybe there's one or two more weighing up. Man, is this really, is this really for me? Does God really choose me, friend? He does. Every excuse, every reason you're, you're thinking right now, Jesus took it on the cross. Anybody else? Just quickly. High enough, long enough for me to see it. Just got to wait a moment longer. Anybody else? Say, Josh, that's me. Maybe your heart is beating, your stomach is turning. I'm waiting because I really just believe there's somebody else. And friend, you're way too important. Say, Josh, that's me. 
Jesus, I surrender everything to you. Friend, he loves you. His arms are wide open. Quickly, if that's you, just lift it really quickly. High enough. Amen. I see Awesome. You're worth waiting for, friend. Church, can we lift our eyes together? Can we give the loudest shout of praise we've given all, all morning? Come on, church. Can we give the loudest shout of praise? Amen. We're going to say a, a prayer that changes everything. It may not change everything out there, but it changes everything in here where it matters. And we're going to say it as a church, here in person, everybody watching online. Come on, can we say this prayer together? Come on, say Jesus. Come on, let's say it with passion. Say Jesus. Thank you for dying for me. Forgiving me of my sins. Raising from the dead. Giving me a hope and a future. I believe in my heart. I confess with my mouth that I'm a Christian. I'm going to live for you. Everybody said, come on, one more time. Let's give, come on, one more time. Let's give a huge shout of praise. Hey, can we thank Pastor Josh for being with us today? Thank you so much. That was an incredible, incredible word. Hey, if you just made that decision to follow Jesus, we are so excited for you. We believe that is the best decision you could ever make. We want to give you this free resource, Following Jesus. If you're in person, you can pick it up right in the foyer on the right-hand side at our Next Steps area. If you're online, you can text CONNECT7 to 97000, check off Following Jesus, and we will mail this to you. Hey, don't forget to register for next Sunday. Pastor Anthony will be back in the house. And also, if you want some more Church Alive masks, we have them for sale in the foyer today. Uh, hey, have a great Sunday. See you next week.